you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Week two in the NFL, and that means week two of tape heads. Bob Wachusen, Scott Pioli, Dan Orlovsky. We break down the tape. We give you the inside, kind of behind the X's and O's look. You go to the bar. You look like a genius to your friends. Of course, we've got Scott Pioli, longtime NFL general manager. He breaks down the tape, not just from a game standpoint, but from a personnel standpoint. And no one's better at the touchscreen breaking down tape at ESPN than Dan Orlovsky. All right, guys, here we are. Week two. I don't, I don't think it was any game more fascinating than Cal. Boys Chargers. There's about six different angles that we can approach this game from, but maybe the jumping off point. Why was the Cowboy run game so good, not even with Zeke Elliott against a really good defense? Dan, what'd you see when you broke the tape down? Yeah, I'd say, first of all, Bob, we're going to see the run game for everybody in the NFL or for at least most teams be up this year in comparison to last year. I think that teams in general are going to play a lot more shell coverage too high safety coverage and really play a significant amount more zone and stop giving up all these big plays in the past game. I think teams are defensively going to commit to that for the most part in the NFL. Now, the Cowboys ran it well, one, because Zach Martin was back. That certainly helps, you know, to kind of dent the line of scrimmage too and this was the thing for me going into the game that showed up their receivers played really selfless so when you're playing against these shell coverages not necessarily your traditional tampa too most teams have a fitter you know whether it's a nickelback a safety into the boundary or the field for your run game to go well playing against these two high shells your receivers have got to be willing to go find the fitter and essentially dig him out block him you know that's the unblocked body so to speak and I thought CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper both were spectacular on it you, there's a couple runs 
One that stands out to my mind was Tony Pollard around the, the right edge of their offense where Amari Cooper goes and just cracks on a safety that's filling. Now, if he doesn't make that block, it's a two-yard gain. He makes it, it's a 12 to 14-yard gain. And I think that was the big thing for me offensively was it's easy to run when it takes all 11 and all 11 are committed to it, so to speak. And I think that's going to be a big thing for the Cowboys moving forward because their pass game is so dangerous. But a lot of teams is those wide receivers just figuring out who the guy is and blocking them. Scott, when you're putting a team together, is that the most underrated thing about a wide receiver? Run blocking, right? Because run blocking wide receivers make a run game happen. Unless you can do that one thing as a receiver in the passing game that is so super and spectacular, you have to be able to block. And and to me, if you're going to have a good running game, you do look for it. And guys that come out of that Alabama program, I'll tell you this, when you watch film on Alabama and you look at their players, if you're going to play for Nick Saban, you're going to play wide receiver for Nick Saban. If you are not going to block, you're not going to play. It's that simple. So Amari Cooper, comes out of college knowing how important it is, knowing what he's got to do, and he does have a selfless attitude and about blocking. So, you know, I think you nailed it. It was a combination of the perimeter blocking by the receivers, but also Zach Martin being back did a number of things. It brings an attitude. It brings a way that they want to play. It brings a confidence to the running game as well. And the other thing that happens here is, you know, I'm just such a firm believer. You talk about how the, the good teams this year are going to be running more. And in order to be a good passing team, you have to be a good running team or you have to be the threat of a running team. And it's and it goes vice versa. In order for you know, in order for one to work, the other has to be a threat or a mental threat. And the fact that Dak played so well in week one, you know, it softens things up a little bit. It really does. And it's just good complimentary football. And and I tell you, the thing that struck me about the running game though was watching the speed of the backs. And I don't know if this Watching Pollard's speed and urgency every time he had the ball, it just looked different than Zeke, quite honestly. And I'm not taking a shot at Zeke, but something is different. Something's off. You know, back in 2018, when he's going through that whole contract thing, he's telling the whole world that he's the best back in football. You know, last year was less impressive. Sunday, he wasn't even the best back on the Cowboys. You know, in 2019, he averaged 4.51 yards per carry. Last year, it was down to 4.01. And, you know, the first two games this year, it's down under two yards per carry. And Pollard just ran the other day with a completely different sense of urgency, I felt. Scott, I thought the word you used there perfectly, in my opinion, is urgency. I don't know who's more... Zeke's more powerful. And he might be faster 70 yards down the field. But that first step... 10 yards, there is a significant difference in just burst. And that's kind of helped that ball get to the perimeter a little bit too. You know, Tony Pollard just adds an element of explosion, burst, urgency to their run game that Zeke doesn't. And again, Zeke's more physical, but probably better, you know, at the point of contact and maybe long speed different. Yeah. But Paul, maybe, but Pollard is definitely different burst wise. A guy that also is different, he's just different, is Justin Herbert, right? I mean, Dan, you talked about him basically being, I think you called him an eraser. Yeah. What did you mean by that? Like, when you watch the X's and O's, what is he erasing? 
Yeah, their their offense looks better because of him. He's covering up so many mistakes in their offense right now. Uh, their their protection week one was good, not great, yet they were incredible on third down. Their protection in week two against Dallas was good, not great. Again, they were incredible on third down. They're getting too too many third downs now. Why are why do teams get to too many third downs? There's a multitude of reasons. Number one, they haven't gelled as a offense yet when it comes to scheme and quarterback talent I don't think they're taking enough deep shots downfield it's a little too drop back for me you know Justin's success last year with Shane Steichen and Pep Hamilton was big ball play action bombs away and they're not doing a lot of it this year and a little bit too much drop back for my liking um I he's covering up too many mistakes within their offensive system and their offensive line and right now they're they're asking him to do so much and and he's got the ability to do it and he's erasing a lot of those mistakes so our out you know the treetop vantage point of the Chargers offensively is probably more positive than what the tape actually says the tape says Justin Herbert is dropping back too much with unblocked or free runners in their pass pro game and having to make too many difficult throws you, no offense can survive third and seven plus on a consistent basis the Chargers right. are getting away with it you know Scott you know this phrase in the NFL and it changed. I heard a coach say it. the the phrase is winning cures everything. And hmm. I heard a coach once say winning covers everything. And I thought that in week one, it covered some of those mistakes. And I thought a little bit in week two until that last moment, he covered a lot of those mistakes as well. A great point, Dan. And, and one of the mistakes uh, you know that's being covered right now, you bring up the offensive line, you know, and, and because he's having to do more or certainly what feels like he's having to try to do more is, you know, you're looking at, I don't think any one of us would have been looking into the season, say two games into the year that he would have more interceptions and touchdown passes because he's a better quarterback than that. And right now he's sitting there with, you know, I, I want to say that it's uh, two touchdowns and three interceptions. And again, he's trying to cover up some mistakes and, and I, and I love that line. Yeah, it is a coach's line. It's also a front office line where it only covers up mis- mistakes and issues. And that's why in this game, I think some some people that are perceived as being, whether they're coaches or front office people, viewed as being negative, they're not really being negative. They're trying to stay, stay out in front of potential losses in the future. And, and when you look at this team right now, um, I love the quarterback. Yet I felt when I was looking at the team last year and even going into the preseason this year, there's a lot of noise about this football team. But I'm looking at the roster. I'm like, this is a good roster. You know, it's a, it's an above average roster. I don't see a great roster. I see a quarterback that's going to be fantastic. But when you have fewer players around a really good quarterback that gives a defense the chance and the opportunity to focus in more on the quarterback and spend more time and energy going after just him. Now, you guys do the X's and O's. I'm Mr. Clock Management. All right, that's my... If I'm going to carve out a little part of this podcast where I'm going <laughs> to scre- scream and yell about stuff, what, it's game management, clock game? management. Oh, baby. Now, <laughs> Scott, you're going to tell me that there's a reason why Mike McCarthy and why the Cowboys ran one play in the last 33 seconds of that game and left their kicker to kick a 56-yard field goal. Please try and explain that away for me. Yeah, Bob, and I think you know it, it, this was a perfect example of an overreaction without enough information. Immediately, people went to the fact that, that oh, Mike McCarthy's screwing this up. He should have called a timeout. Here's the problem, and he made this point after the game that, listen, I couldn't find the clock. The clock disappeared. And if you look at still shots and or if you look at the tape, even the TV tape I had to go back to, you 
you look at the scoreboard, which isn't even a scoreboard, so to speak, they have these bands of video and signs and flashing lights throughout the entire stadium. It's a brand new stadium. The coach is trying to figure out on an, on the road where the clock is, and then the clock disappears. The other thing that was happening simultaneously, and I've seen this because I was at Mercedes-Benz Stadium when we first opened that up, and we had, you know, they call them bands. They're video board bands that go, that are circular, and they flash them black and white or bright color, dark color, bright color, dark color, and it messes. it's almost strobe light-ish, and you can't find the clock. If you look at, at still photos, I tweeted one out yesterday, still photo, there's 10,000 things up on that video band and you can't see the clock prominently. And I'm it was a BS real problem. I'm calling BS on this whole thing. I'm calling BS on the whole thing. No <laughs> chance. There's no chance there's no one in his headset or on that coaching staff that can't and find, I have done a bazillion football games. I have never, ever, ever been in a press box, no matter how busy the scoreboards are, and not been able to look somewhere in a stadium and, and Bob, see a that's clock. exactly what happened was the co- the coaches on the field couldn't see it and what happened was a coach from upstairs again again i've been in these situations too but bob have you ever been into a brand new stadium looked at stuff and had to spend time finding where the clock was where things but are I'm not managing the game i'm not the head coach like you're not going to tell me bill belichick isn't going to walk into that stadium an hour or two before and say hey no, guys where Where's the play clock? Where's the game clock? Everybody be aware. So if we get into a last second situation, boom, we can make a decision. He did. And that's exactly what happened in the Cowboys case is they had an assistant coach up there call down and say, hey, the clock is running. They couldn't tell. And again, there's a there's a lot of things going on at that point in time. So, uh, again, Bob, I'm going to go I'm going to go with the coach set on this again. uh, I I think what happens is sometimes we all get too critical and don't know all of the facts. And having not been in that circumstance, in that situation, uh, you know, I'm going to push back on you, Bob, and, and say that we need to give Mike a little bit more respect than that. And maybe believe some of what he's saying. Well, how good would tape be if we couldn't argue? Yeah. My only thought process on this is it was second down with 31 seconds to go at the snap. One timeout. What was the plan? You know, like as they ran it, they ran one play and it was a running play and they ran one play. You know, in, in my experience, and certainly if I'm foreshadowing myself being in that role, the conversations would be, okay, fellas, we're in second down here. We're going to run this jet sweep. If we get the first down, what's our plan? Are, are we going to get to the line of scrimmage and spike the ball? Are we going to get to the line of scrimmage and call play? If we call this play and it gets to third and three or third and four, what is our plan? Are we going to then let the clock wind down? Are we in, hey, Coach Fossa, are we, are we in field goal range? O- okay, we're in field goal range. Great. Then I'm just going to let this clock run down. Or if we get the th- third and three do we want to use our timeout and try to get one more play or do we want to get the line of scrimmage call two plays in the huddle you know that would for me Scott I'm not going to sit here and get into the was he telling the truth or not but for me the lack of plan by the Cowboys dependent on what the result was of that play is the thing that made no sense to me the clock is what it is the lack of plan per what that play got them on the jet sweep, that was the issue that I had, and they're lucky they got away with it, so to speak. Yep, it is It is a good point. we got to wrap real quick because we've got so much more to get to. How did the Ravens hand the first loss of the season to Patrick Mahomes? That's something we're going to dive into when we come back. Bob Shoes, Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli, Tape Eds. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. All right, back here on Tape Heads. Bob Shoes and Scott Pioli, Dan Orlovsky. It was really, at least in terms of, and it lived up to its billing, the game of the week, it felt like, and uh, the two premier teams in a matchup this week, and that was certainly Ravens-Chiefs. Lamar Jackson, here's what he had to say after the game. It feel good to get that monk off our back. Uh, it just feel good, you know. Um, got to move on to Detroit now. You know, we ain't win the Super Bowl yet. It's just one game. We just got to keep staying focused. Well, guys, it may not be the Super Bowl, but that's still a huge win for the Ravens. And it, it almost had it had a feel of which teams got the ball last will probably win. Why were these two offenses so dominant against both of these defenses? Dan, maybe outside of the obvious, they're, they're both really talented offenses. But having said that, what'd you say? Bob, I'd say two things stood out for both defenses for me. Um, You know, the Ravens did a fantastic job of changing their identity, almost took a very similar approach that the Steelers did in week one versus Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in regards to playing a ton of zone, understanding that they were so beat up. The downside is that in the second half, they pressured twice. Patrick hurt him on both times, and then they gave Patrick a little creative freedom. You think about the scramble to the right, back across his body to Kelsey, and Kelsey goes and scores. That was you know, one that they probably wish they had back at the end of the day when it comes to their plan, and I thought that was really good. Now, the Chiefs, in regards to the Ravens offense, one thing. When you are going to be so pressure dependent, which the Chiefs are, they're very high and low defensively. They're, they're hit or miss. When you are pressure dependent and you get a team run game wise that can hurt you with that movement, that slanting of the defensive end or that slanting of the blitzers coming off the edge. You are hit or miss, and you're going to create some negative plays, but you're also going to give up some big plays. Giving up big plays to a guy like Lamar Jackson is going to be painful. And then the thing that I really want everyone to understand is 
We talk about guys, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, and we rave about their ability to read defenses. Lamar Jackson's, the challenge that they present to him to have to read so many players in their quarterback run game, defensive ends, off-ball linebackers, backside backers with their run game, with their zone read or counter bash game, which is when they pull the guys from one side and the back goes across from the other side, the amount that he has to see and read and process and react to in their run game is as challenging as any pass game concepts. And Lamar does it better than anyone in the world. And that's not necessarily a negative for the defense. It's just the reality of what makes him special in that run game. So dynamic. So a lot of good stuff defensively, um, but certainly trying to stop that Ravens run game is, is so challenging for a defensive style like the chiefs. What do you think, Scott? Well, again, you nailed it on the X's and O's. Part of what I saw about this game was also the, again, I, I love looking at how teams are built and, and the way they've done it. You're looking at a team, the Ravens, there were times, again, based on the fact that they were 0-3 the last three games, they hadn't won, there was a lot of reasons to pack it in. There wasn't that much energy in the stadium, yeah. and they didn't. And, and they built a team with players that are just like John Harbaugh, and I'm going to mention Ozzie Newsome and Eric DaCosta. It's like their leadership group. And to me, they're resilient, but they also have a lot of emotional endurance. This was a team that had a lot of reasons to check out early, and they didn't. And they kept coming. You know, Dan, you talk about how smart Lamar is. Yes, he is incredibly smart. And on top of that, his leadership style and his ability to energize his football team authentically. Um, it, it's just a reflection of, I think, of their head coach. Uh, you know, Harbs yeah. has been there 14 seasons now, and I just don't remember. I, I can't count on less than one hand how many times I've watched the Ravens games and, ah, they're out of this because they ne- they never mm. think they are. And that's a reflection of the leadership group, I think. I thought the amazing part of that game was yeah. um, how much Twitter reaction there was afterwards to the going for it on fourth down to end the game. And everybody said, Oh, I mean, you, you got to keep the ball away from Mahomes there. It's a no-brainer. You got to go for it there. That was the right call. How many of those people you think would have said the opposite if that thing hadn't worked? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Don't tell me that that was automatic. That is still a tough call for a coach to make. And I know he said to Lamar, Lamar, you want to go for this? Kind of yeah. bringing him into the conversation. Great. Empower your quarterback. What do you think the quarterback's going to say? Of course the quarterback's going to say, yes, let's go for it. You know the answer before you ask the question. That decision is 100% on the head coach, and I love that he made it, and I love that he was ready to take the heat if it didn't go well. Well, I mean, for me, Bob, that's 100% go for it. Like, there is no question about it, and it is. And I thought his answer, Coach Harbaugh's postgame, was very telling. A reporter asked him, if there was a different player at quarterback for you, what would you have done? And his response was, well, I guarantee you they, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, would have gone for it. And the point for me, at least, was we, everybody listening and watching Lamar Jackson, we need to see Lamar Jackson the way his head coach does because he sees Patrick Mahomes. 
You know, mm-hmm. like he sees a guy that he believes is the best player in the world at that position, you know? And so while I would have point, gone Dan. on television Monday morning, if he had not gone for that, I would have gone on television and they, and they lose the game. I would have gone on television and absolutely crushed him. But if he goes for it and doesn't get it and puts the ball in ace hands, I'm going to say, you know what? A hundred percent right decision in that moment. And, and, you know, that's, that's part of John Harbaugh's genius, quite honestly, over the years, is how he instills con- – he's a confident guy. He's, yeah. not a, he's not overconfident in any way. He's confident, and he believes in his, himself and his people. And what he did there instilled confidence in his football team as well. And to me, I think it was brilliant psychologically. Mm-hmm. And, again, it wasn't some sort of ploy either. He really believes, and he wants his players to really believe. Got a couple of more minutes to talk in this segment about a team that you talk about growing confidence and confidence that I don't think anybody saw coming. Scott, how about the Raiders? Oh. How much have the Raiders mm. surprise 2-0 start shocked you? Is this a roster that maybe Mike Mayock is not getting enough credit for building? Is Derek Carr better than we all gave him credit for? What do you see when you see the Raiders? I see a couple things. First of all, talking about Carr, he's playing more aggressive. and he, Actually, he's playing extremely aggressive. He's letting it all hang out there. And, and right now, it's been a blessing because he's being rewarded for that behavior. He's playing with confidence. He, he made a decision and so did John Gruden. This is matching John's confidence, right? You talk about players being in step with their head coach and reflecting their head coach. He's either playing with, decided I'm going to play with a bunch of confidence, which I have, or I'm going to go down. And if I go down, I'm going down as John Bon Jovi said yeah. in a blaze yeah. of glory. And he's going to do it right now. He's on fire. And, and Bob, I'm really, uh, I appreciate you bringing up Mayock because here's the deal with Mike Mayock. For whatever reason, he, in my opinion, he's been unfairly criticized. People People always want to pick to point to one pick, and that's the Cleveland Farrell pick. But when you look at the rest of that 2019 draft, when you're looking at Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, you know uh, Foster Moreau, Hunter Renfro, he's made some good picks. You know, in 2019, that's then in points. 2020, Henry Ruggs, they've built a good football team. They have some very good players there. But here's the other thing that I think that that, that people need to. Uh, at least pay attention to. They've built a very, very interesting culture there. You're talking about a culture that we had a player come out as gay. We've got two players that have gotten clean and sober. There's a culture that exists within those walls right now in a very difficult town Mm. where guys are doing things and doing things the right way, right? This whole idea of what the Raiders wore back in the day. Yeah, they were rough and tumble. They were all that. But right now, between Mike Mayock and John Gruden, they've done a couple of things to create a culture of, again, I'll use the word confidence and trust within that building. There's not a lot of towns and a lot of locker rooms where a player would uh, clearly come out as gay. And he, they've been supportive. To me, there's something special going on there. And, and I think Mike mm. Mayock is as responsible for it, if not more, than John Gruden. Scott, let me just say this. I don't think anywhere else other than this or you, you're going to find that insight. I, I, found, I was fascinated by that. Just you talking about the culture and whatnot. Um, that's really, really insightful. Um, the Raiders are one of my favorite teams to talk about right now. They were last year. 
because I thought they were one of the rare offenses in the NFL that could be ball control and also explosive, mm. you know, and that's very yeah. difficult to do. Now, if you look at them this year through two weeks, no one should be surprised by Derek Carr's performance. He's been playing well since the start. Really, for years, he's just had people around him. Um, he plays a little bit old school, in my opinion, when it comes to the quarterback position. If you watch the start of football games, his goal is to get the game to really the second half almost. He comes out. He plays very completion-driven. He's not overly aggressive with the football early on. He just wants to get into the flow of the game. And then it's almost like, I can pounce now. You know, now it's time for me to not, you know, turn up the notch in aggression. I think they have one of the most indefensible personnel groupings in the NFL. Their three tight end group is fantastic. And Scott, you had mentioned Foster Moreau. But when they put those three tight ends on the field, (laughs) this is the challenge for a defense. When you watch that personnel grouping run onto the field with the three tight ends, you automatically have to understand, well, I got to stop the run. They can get into those big bodies, you know, and and 22 or 23 personnel and run the football. So you have to put people that can be physical enough and big enough to stop the run. And then what the Raiders do is while we're in three tight ends, we'll flex you out. We'll spread you out and get into empty personnel or trips and bunches. Well, what that does is then exposes some of those big people you put on the field in the past game. Through two games, they've thrown for 414 yards in that three tight end personnel grouping, 25 first downs. It reminds me a lot of a couple years ago with the Ravens offense, when they would put those three tight ends on the field all the time. And that is a problem. Mark my words. Well, we will be talking about how teams handle that three tight end package from the Raiders all the way into December and January. I also think, and I know their offensive coordinator, Greg Olson, I've known him since I was in high school and I was texting with them the other day. I think they do as good a job of anybody in reducing and condensing their formations. What that does is one, it creates space at the line of scrimmage vertically for Henry Ruggs speed, right? What's the one thing you can do to drop speed off? Well, hit him at the line of scrimmage. When you shrink down your formations like that, it's hard to get hands on Henry Ruggs. Hunter Renfro, Scott, another guy that he mentioned. Well, it creates space for him to win. You know, how do you want to help a route runner win? Allow him space from the defender to get on his toes and set him. And then he can create separation at the top, whatever way he wants. And so I think that those two things they are doing offensively they are going to create a lot of issues for teams defensively moving forward. Dan, I just want to follow up. The tight end thing is brilliant. Again, they they march three tight ends out there, but when one of them is, yeah. is Darren Waller, the other is Foster Moreau, again, you may think one thing's coming, but they are so athletic. They give yep. you flexibility, and this is where, you know, I this is part of what I love, is to watch not only the X's and O's, but the X's and O's that are born out of the team building and the roster mm-hmm. building, mm-hmm. and then emphasize you know what you some of your strengths again accentuate the positive limit the limitations and that's what they're doing a terrific job of here and scott what you talked about brilliant as you said and as dan you know echoing what he said before it it's what makes guys who do what you do that are good at it good at it because we all look at this from a fantasy football standpoint or a draft standpoint like a player in his silo what stats does this guy put up where is he on a mock draft board but when you're putting a roster together the right way you're thinking about personalities you're thinking about a team you're thinking about how these guys are all going to fit together like puzzle pieces and the Raiders have done probably a very under 
underrated job of doing that, and it's amazing how it translates on the field. Derek Carr right now, very, very surprising player. Who are some of the really surprising players for Scott and Dan as we come back? You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Bob and Scott Pioli, Dan Orlovsky, we are back on Tape Heads. And we're already two weeks into the season, and there have been some performances that I think maybe we're not surprised to see based on the ability of these players, but they've still been eye-opening. And Dan, the quarterback out in Arizona, I know caught your eye. He catches everybody's eye. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he is a highlight f- film waiting to happen. Uh, but at the same time, Kyler Murray has been spectacular. The thing that's been most impressive for me, amongst many things, is his ball placement. He's thrown the ball so incredibly well. Um, But also, Cliff hasn't tried to rein him in. You know, Cliff hasn't tried to handcuff him. There's been multiple moments where you can see that Kyler is still thinking, I'm allowed to go be a playmaker. Uh, The red zone, I love this play, Scott. They, They got into, you know, three by one formation in the red zone. And... The, the Vikings kind of match coverage down there. And what, what that means is those underneath defenders, they're not in man technically until someone comes near them and then it becomes man. And they run the back out on like a spread sprint flare kind of swing route to the sideline that's into the boundary and they go quarterback draw. And it's funny to watch because the center is running down the field looking for a person to block and he can't. I mean, just think about how creative you've got to be as a, an offensive coordinator and the threat that they have still on the outside of a DeAndre Hopkins and a Christian Kirk and a Rondale Moore and an AJ Green that you have to respect. 
and knowing that quarterback's one of the best in the NFL running and still no one's paying attention to him as a runner. You know, it's that's the threat that their offense is posing to people right now. And then they they constantly have this thought process and it really matches well between Cliff and Kyler all gas. It's so many third down. Okay, the the deep ball, we saw it again. Third down, all out pressure, we're going to take a shot to Christian Kirk. You know the 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 ability for them to play on a consistency basis, then also have the dagger mindset is really different than it was last year. And his ability to continue create offense but then also play in structure is some that is a step that is the growth step year one to year two to year three yeah and, and i love what you say his ability Kyler's ability to extend plays when he has to extend plays but you know some quarterbacks can extend plays but not all quarterbacks can extend plays and then make something positive happen and that's what's happening right now is he's extending plays he's making things happen positively the receivers know it anybody who's a potential receiver on the plane knows it you know you know it's funny that you mentioned Rodney Hudson the center because in an offense like you say that um, is willing to extend plays willing to do things off script Kyler is really smart and Rodney Hudson, um, uh, you know, is brilliant. That combination of those two guys, they can run that team again from an intellectual standpoint. Because, again, remember, Cliff Kingsbury is really smart, too. So it's Mm -hmm. not just this. You know, I've heard someone refer to the other as backyard ball. I mean, there's certain plays where they make it become, you know, extended. It's not backyard ball. There's a purpose. They know exactly what they're doing and what they're trying to do. And I think what Rodney Hudson has really helped Kyler with is is Kyler's confidence. Kyler knows that everything is going to be fine along the checks on the line of scrimmage and that he and the center are going to be on the same page the protections are going to be right so that gives kyler more confidence and and you know dan i'll throw this to you dan i mean think about it if you have a really smart center a player that you know who the mic is before you do or at the same time that you do call the protection do all the nuanced things down in the trenches and communicate all that stuff how much easier and confident does that allow you to be as a quarterback dan it's a big deal because i believe everybody's on the same page then yeah and there's that saying when it comes to offensive line and you guys have heard it and everyone's probably heard it if we're all wrong, we're all right. You know, and, and while Rodney's <laughs> going to be right a lot of the time, if everybody's on the wrong page, we're going to be okay. You know, and, and we're not going to get hurt a lot. You know, hearing you talk about Kyler and the playmaking, um, it brought my mind to two things. Number one, and this is the way, and you know, I grew up really in the NFC North, essentially. And most of my career was spent playing against Aaron Rodgers. And he was, in my experience, the first quarterback that I watched when he wanted to get away from bad it was almost the sole intent to go hurt you you know there's quarterbacks that get themselves when they run around or extend plays to get out of the bad stuff and that's really all they can do and Aaron was one of the guys that not only did he want to go and extend plays to get out of the bad but he wanted to go hurt you I used to call him kind of the soul snatcher he was always (laughs) to just go rip your heart out Kyler's starting to enter into that conversation where he's not getting away from bad stuff just to turn, uh, you know, a six yard loss into a four yard gain. He's trying to turn into a 60 yard touchdown. And we talk about the backyard recess moments. And I kind of made this point last year about this offense. On almost every pass play, there's two different progressions. 
There's the one that happens before Kyler moves. And then there's the one that happens hmm. after Kyler moves. You know, they have a very, he creates a second play, so to speak, that is going to constantly challenge the defense or stress the defense. And that's why through two weeks, they're having a ton of success, both, you know, points wise, but also in situational football wise as well. And Scott, another guy that's having a ton of success. You know, I've got a couple of Teddy Bridgewater stories that make my heart feel good that he's playing this way. You know, I hmm. called his sugar. Bowl. I can't believe this is like eight years ago <laughs> against Florida when he's at Louisville. I remember all those Florida NFL dudes they had on their defense. And he yeah. made some throws in that game where he got stuck in the chest as he delivered an NFL throw. I remember thinking that night, this guy is not at the top of the draft board. He'd be the guy I'd take. I mean, he is a player with heart. And I remember Jeremy Bates when he was the offensive coordinator of the Jets saying before the last game of the season, I want to take a picture on the field with Josh McCown, Sam Darnold, and Teddy Bridgewater because I will never be in a quarterback room again with three guys who are this good of guys. And so what he's doing in Denver, it's just great. Bob, you are nailing it. And I got to tell you, if, if when Teddy Bridgewater is playing in the National Football League, it's good for the National Football League. No you doubt. know, I, and here's what I do know is, you know, Parcell, one of his mentors was Parcells growing up in high school, and he's still really, really close with Parcells. And when Bill talks to me about Teddy Bridgewater and who he is as a person, as a man, it's, you know, sometimes Bill throws uh, compliments around like manhole covers, but the way he talks <laughs> so glowingly about Teddy Bridgewater, and it's real. If you know this guy, He's fantastic. Again, he he's a good football player, too. He's had some tough luck. People forget his second year in the league with Minnesota. And I'm going to digress for one second. You know, it's funny, uh, Dan, when you called it the NFC North, this is the old man in me, right? I'm click, 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 click. I'm, isn't, wait, isn't that the NFC Central? But the <laughs> he started off at the NFC North slash Central. And his second season, he was 11 and 5, Teddy. And yeah. when he's had opportunities to play, when he came in, you know, to in 2019 in New Orleans, he was 5-0. and I understand last year with Carolina, he was 4-11, but that was a bad football team he was playing for. Teddy Bridgewater is a good player that is underrated. He does all the right things on the field. He prepares. And again, I, I, I'm a sucker for guys that are just good guys that represent the game and the NFL in a good way. And Teddy is all of that. Yeah, so when they made the trade for Teddy Bridgewater, the Denver Broncos, I remember being, I, I, I was on television actually at the moment it happened, and I said, well, that's the starting quarterback for the Broncos. And I had a lot of people be like, well, Drew Locke. And I said, this is a playoff team with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. And the reason I thought that way, good offensive line, and they had good pieces. You know, Cortland Sutton coming back is an enormous deal. And if you go watch them play this past weekend, because he played really good in week one, Teddy Bridgewater, and you go watch them play this past weekend, the big post that he throws coming from the left to Cortland Sutton, Sutton. It's almost watching two players come into one, essentially, Teddy Bridgewater-wise, because you can see the smarts. Teddy Bridgewater's holding his eyes front side. He's peeking to get the safety just to get nosy a little bit. Try Safety, I need your shoulders to stay square to the line of scrimmage because... If you're square to the line of scrimmage, you can't turn and run as fast as my guy whose shoulders are turned the other way, facing downfield. And you can see him holding his eyes because Teddy's always been a brilliant player, very smart, knew exactly what the defenses was was doing and whatnot. And then you just watch him slowly transition. It happens quick, obviously, but slowly transition and hitch at the same time as eyes and put the post downfield to Sutton. And again, watching two players become one, the smarts with the physical, and that's where I am with Teddy Bridgewater, is it only 
almost looks like the physical has caught up to the mental. And Scott, in my opinion, like that's the reverse of the quarterback spot. Right. Often it's the right. mental catches up to the physical. But Teddy, it's the you're watching a guy that the arm looks better and it looks like he's able to push the ball downfield more. He's moving so much better than he has for years. And again, he's always been this guy that's been super bright. And now you're watching his physical talent kind of catch that stuff. And the Broncos have players. I mean, they have skill position players. I didn't even mention a guy like Jerry Judy who's going to come back and be healthy. Their offensive line is protecting well. Handler's a good player. Teddy, all he has to be is a point guard, but what he's become is a playmaking point guard for that offense. That's Dan Orlovsky. We've got Scott Pioli. I'm Bob Wischusen. If you like what you've heard, we drop every Tuesday and Thursday tape heads. So coming up on Thursday's episode, you're going to hear why the Packers are back on track. Sam Darnold getting ready for Thursday night football. Plenty of stuff on Washington and the Giants and the Giants' struggles and what a heartbreaker they had this past week. Justin Fields, is he ready to be the captain of the ship in Chicago? Mac versus Zach, the battle of the rookies, and that just was a lovely afternoon for me on uh, the Jets Radio Network. So, again, another episode of Tape Heads will drop on Thursday. We hope you join us then. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.